goddamn traitor, sir. Song we all know and love. Blau und Weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben. Wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. We'll also pick up articles on the club and talk a little bit about them. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Good evening, Richard. Good to be with you. Can't think of a uh, better way to chase the Sunday scaries away than talking some Schalke. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm in a good mood after the Schalke victory. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, but before we get into this one, Jack, uh, I want to tell you, about, uh, tell you and the listeners about an interesting week I've had. Um, so, uh, I'm on this, uh, Schalke group on Facebook and I was booted from the group this week. Um, a little bit about the group. Uh, it's a fantastic group of Schalke fans and 99.9% of the people in that group are great people, very passionate fans. And I have all the love for them. Um, even some of the players, family members are in the group, including Weston McKinney's family. Um, I've met some amazing people on there and, and some of my former guests like Daniel and Zach, uh, were from that group, but Like I said, I've been banned. Now you ask, what the hell did I do to deserve that? Let me tell you what went down uh, and tell me if I was wrong, Jack. Um, so I'm active in this group, okay? I post a lot. Um, I also post the tweets promoting this podcast, kind of like we do on Twitter, right? Um, I get a lot of love from the group there. So last weekend, you know, we lost to Byron, as you know, and uh, I retweeted the links to the podcast, as usual. Uh, I used the same picture I used in the, and that everyone saw on Twitter uh, from, the, from the Byron Schalke game. So out of nowhere, this uh, admin, and I say that with quotes, uh, posts a comment, unprovoked, mind you, saying, this is what he said, I'm, un I'm unsure about this post, should I delete it or should I ban the user? So let's call this guy Charles P., right? So I respond, ban for what? It's a link to the Schalke podcast with a picture from the game. And then he responds, wait, does anybody see Schalke in the picture? I reply, yeah, there's Farman clearly right there and so is Samboli. And then he responds back to me, this is a Schalke group. We don't celebrate Byron here or, uh, or our rivals. Mind you, no one was celebrating anything. It was just verbatim what I tweeted out on Twitter. I, I literally tweeted it to Facebook. Um, so then I responded to this Charles P. guy. Jesus, as an admin, maybe you should investigate instead of assuming. Maybe if you click the link and you see it goes right to the Schalke podcast. Your job as an admin is to monitor the group, not assume. Stop acting like a child and grow up. He proceeds to ban me. Uh, this person is probably in their mid-50s or something like that. Uh, not a guy in his teens, as the comments would suggest. Um, I'm an, actually an admin for several football groups uh, on Facebook. And, you know, as an admin, you're kind of like a manager. You kind of want to assess the situation. If something, people start complaining about something, then you investigate it, see if it's warranted, a, you know, a deleting of a comment or, or banning or whatever. None of this was done. So, Jack, what are your thoughts on, from what I said? Um, does it sound like I was warranted a ban, or what do you think? 
uh, not only should you have been banned, you should have been tarred and feathered, shot, drawn and quartered, and, you know, <laughs> lit on fire. Um, Sharkaterous and deplorable. No. Uh, yeah, quite quite the piece of drama there. Um, I mean, that's what you get for promoting the podcast, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Who wants to? Who, why, why would I uh, promote Shalka? Man, that's stupid. No idea. No idea. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll go in that group in uh, Undercover and then uh, continue spreading the gospel of the SO4 podcast for you. So, you know, it, it was fine that I was banned. Oh, whoop de doo, you know, whatever. Um, I'm actually still, I was actually still friends with that, with this uh, admin person um, on Facebook. So, like, it's a very public, it's a public group, so you can still see the posts and whatnot. Um, so, you think it would end there, right? It doesn't end there. So, after banning me from this pu- very public group, mind you, like I said, you can see the posts as a non member. Um, and, th- and me and this guy are still friends on Facebook at this point. He, pre- he proceeds to talk shit about me in the group, which is fine. You know, if he wants to be the type of cyberbully and talk shit about me, that's, that doesn't phase me one bit. You know, I, don't, I couldn't care less. Uh, but then he goes on a tirade with post after post, not only about me, but also making fun of the podcast. Mind you, this guy enjoyed the podcast and has commented positive remarks in the past um, when I've posted. Uh, he's also even wanted to be on the podcast as a guest in the past. Um, uh, you know, even before this, he, he even, even invited me. We said, oh, we should go watch games together sometime because we don't, we don't live that very far from each other. Um, like I said, he wanted to be a guest at the time. He got cold feet, which is fine. Not everybody's, not everybody's into podcasts. That's cool. That, that part doesn't bother me at all. Um, but then, you know, talks and talks about the podcast and makes fun of it. Jack, this guy is nothing but a sore loser and not someone who should be in an admin position for the great Shaka fan group, much less any group. Um, like I said, I'm an admin for, for several groups and, you know, you, you gotta act a certain way as an admin. Uh, it's for, it's for the betterment of the, of the, of the, of the, of the group, really. Um, I get it. Every team has passionate fans, and Schalke is proof in the pudding of that. I'm not going to judge his passion, not not one bit, like he's trying to judge me. Um, but I'm big. I'm bigger than him. But when he makes up lies that I'm a Bayern fan and kicks me out of the group, talks shit about me when I'm not there, uh, and then he makes up lies like like I said again that I'm a that I'm a Bayern fan and blah 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 and makes fun of the podcast, it's unfair to the group and it gives the wrong impression. Then this sore loser, after saying that I'm a Byron fan and kicks me out because because I'm, I'm doing Byron propaganda, uh, he goes and likes the Byron Munich uh, Facebook page and then l- likes a link that they posted. Um, like again, I'm, we're still friends at this point, so I can see what he's doing. When you know when when your friends like something on Facebook, you can see it. Uh, so hashtag hypocrite, anyone? You know, since then I have unfriended him naturally. And uh, I even sent the screenshot of him liking the, the Byron page to the other admin, uh, Jody, uh, to prove how much a hypocrite this guy was. Uh, I have nothing, nothing but respect for her, thought she was the sweetest person, and then she responds to me, go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, hey, this shows you uh, she's probably no better than him, I guess. Any- anyways, I'll leave this topic on two notes. Two things I hate in football, and that's hooliganism and sore losers. Uh, both of which are terrible for football. This Charles P. is certainly a sore loser and should resign as admin. The last note is, though, um, you know, if you're a Shaka fan on Facebook, by all means, join this group. There's a lot of amazing people in there uh, with great passion. Just be wary of the admin because uh, as he doesn't have the group's best interest in heart, in my opinion, and he thinks he's the number one Shaka fan in the world. Newsflash, you're not. Um, so if he doesn't like your posts, he might ban you, uh, as he's done to many people before, not just me. Shaka is about love, not hate. No better proof as a tweet from our friends over at Blauer Salon Podcast, um, who is at Blauer Salon SO4 if you want to if you follow them on Twitter. 
Uh, they responded to another tweet saying, we are all together for our club, the Shaka Podcast. That's us, Jack and I. Uh, the Shaka Podcast, at Shaka Podcast. Uh, another great another great podcast. Uh, and ours are one. Don't separate us. Thousands of friends united we stand. Um, I couldn't have said it better, Jack. That's what hashtag Shaka Love is all about. Uh, not being sore losers. Any any thoughts on what I've said, or you want to leave it at that? Well, I think we should start a change.org petition to get this individual <laughs> removed and perhaps a GoFundMe <laughs> as well to raise some money because we might get hungry while we're trying to do this. We could use some uh, Yeah, lose some, some money in the, in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, <laughs> yeah, united we stand for Schalke. Um, let's stop the infighting, y'all. Yeah. This, this Facebook drama, man, this is this is crazy stuff. Yeah, it's not like I said, I, I I'm I'm over it, you know, and and I'm in a great mood because it's Victory Sunday, uh, as you know. Victory um, Sunday, the best of all Sundays. Oh yeah, and with this big weekend behind, this big week that we had behind us, and the huge match against Hoffenheim right here that we had this weekend. Um, this is actually part two of the Tedesco Nagelsmann rivalry. That's what I'm going to call it, whether they want to call it or not. That's what I'm calling it. Um, a season success could very well be in the balance, starting with this game, because um, we have a lot of big important games coming up, including the Leverkusen after this. Um, so on this podcast rundown, we're going to talk about the Hoffenheim recap, give our reaction. Uh, we'll give our predictions for the Leverkusen match next Sunday. So, Jack, what do you think? Let's take it away. Let's go. All right. Uh, so heading into this game, Schalke only having won twice in their last 10 Bundesliga games, while Hoffenheim have won only once in their last six. This is a big game for both as far as uh, table positioning. Schalke, as, uh, in the Rook Runde, has seemingly just slid down the table uh, as the games progressed. Two losses, or three losses in the Rook Runde so far. It doesn't help things. Um, but let's look at the lineups going into this game. Uh, we're being the home team. We had Ralph Farman in net, as always. Tilo Kerrer on the right, uh, Naldo in the central, uh, uh, Matina Stasic on the left, left back, uh, right wing. We actually had Alessandro Schoff, and then we had Stambouli and Goretzka in the middle with uh, Daniel Caligiri over on the left. Now here's where it gets a little, a little interesting. Uh, Guido Bergstaller would be on the left wing. Di Santo would be lined up as a false nine, and Embolo would be on the right wing. Um, what are your initial thoughts on the on the lineup on the starting lineup there? Well, there's got to be a joke somewhere in there about DeSanto being a false nine. He's not actually a striker at all. Um, <laughs> no, but to, to be fair, he actually played very well today. Um, or yesterday, I should say. I, I was actually very impressed with him. Um, yeah, when, when I saw the Wait, lineup, did you say that again? You said you were impressed with DeSanto. I may or may not have said that. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> no, but when I saw this lineup come out, I, I kind of figured Schalke were going were gonna to set up sort of how they did against Bayern with that front front three. And as you say, what actually ended up happening was DeSanto was dropping um, into the midfield a little bit, a little bit deeper, and being much, much more of a part of the buildup. Um, and that was a very interesting wrinkle. I don't think we've really seen that from him so far. But then, yeah, uh, Shup on the right side again, um, Caligari on the left, opposite where he normally is. But I believe that's how we set up against Bayern last week. Um, <clears throat> Right. Uh, Max Meyer out due to yellow card accumulation suspension. Stan Bully slotting in for him. Tilo Kara playing, uh, you know, the right most of those three center backs. And uh, I don't know if Bastian Ochipka has, has fallen out of favor 
potentially a little bit, or maybe he's just being arrested because Tedesco thinks this Shup Caligari combination is is working. But um, yeah, he was out of the lineup again for the second consecutive week as well, and Harit also in addition to that, which is interesting. So I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that Ochipka and Harit are. Um, out of favor to some yeah. extent because they've had such good seasons. Maybe he's just kind of taking an opportunity to, to to rotate the squad a little bit, give him some rest, which I'm totally fine with. I think maybe he noticed how the squad seemed maybe tired into this early part of the Rick Runda and wants to kind of give their his better players, they're all good players, but uh, these two players in particular a little bit more time to rest because um, we're going to need him so much down the stretch. I'm hoping that's the case. Because um, I, I don't, I don't think like you, like you're saying that there's any way that they could have fallen out of favor unless something happened at training. But I haven't seen anything posted um, online that would suggest that. So uh, it was an interesting wrinkle. I mean, I knew, I thought the front three would remain the same, but then when I saw DeSanto and that false nine, I was like, well, what? Uh, but like you said, I think he did very well in that. In that, and that could. Um, we had almost more opportunities offensively than we had in a long time. Uh, is that what you saw? Yeah, I would agree. I think we had a lot of chances. And the other thing I'd say is it's been good to see Mbolo getting a couple consecutive starts, which is something that we've been calling for for, for quite a while. And uh, this new kind of look with the with the three strikers rather than you know one or two we've been playing most of the season, I think has maybe helped allow him to get into the, the side a little bit more frequently. And uh, I think he's played well the last couple games. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely done well, and he did really good in this game. Um, so on the bench for Schalke, if you were curious, um, you had obviously Nubel, uh, Reader, uh, Ochipka was there, Harit, like we were saying, uh, Marco Piazza was also on the bench, Tukert and uh, Tekpeti were also. Um, this game would mark uh, the 99th consecutive game in a row that Ralph Farman has started and the 150th Bundesliga start in total for him uh, in his Schalke career. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive feats for him. Uh, one more game and that uh, that a big uh, Leverkusen matchup will be his hundredth in a row. Should any, barring any injuries during uh, training this week. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great accomplishment for him, and I think he's uh, he's earned it. He's deserved that. He's been. Um, I mean, a couple couple mistakes in the last couple of weeks that have cost us, but uh, on the whole, you know, the vast majority of the performances have been excellent. He's been a, a very uh, reliable and I think underappreciated figure. Uh, at the back of our uh, system for us, he's 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 very good, and and like I said, he has been a little little shaky here and there for, in the last month, really. Um, but some people were saying, you know, take him out, put him put in put in Nubel. Uh, slow your roll, Stop. slow your roll. Fireman is one of the best keepers in the Bundesliga, maybe the world. Um, so yeah, every goal is going to have their 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 mishaps. Um, you know he's going to come out of it because he he's been playing for how long? This 99th game in a row and 150th total. I think this guy knows what he's doing. So it's bound to happen. You're going to have uh, some slip ups in the game. So I wasn't worried. Wasn't too worried about that. I mean, I, was, I I thought he would come out of it eventually, and, and he, it looked like in this game at least he has. Um, let's go over to the Hoffenheim lineup real quick. Um, Bauman and Net. Uh, got uh, Bikakicic, I don't know how you say his name. <laughs> sure, why, why not? <laughs> Vogt, uh, Hubner, uh, Katerbeck, Amiri, Grilich, Schultz, Mark Uth, the next uh, Schalke striker, and then Kramerich and, and Adam Salai, the former Schalke striker. Um, pretty basic lineup. I mean, obviously they don't have uh, Wagner anymore because he went to uh, to Bayern. Yeah. Um, and obviously no Rudy anymore because obviously he's been at Bayern the whole season. So um, it, pretty pretty standard lineup for them, I, don't, you think? don't you think? Yeah, I agree. All right, so uh, both teams, they started out this game with high energy. It's kind of what we expected after a very entertaining game from both clubs in the Hinrunda, Jack. Um, I, I, like, the score was not indicative at all of, of how that game turned out, but it was such, a, such an entertaining game to see these two young coaches and their teams uh, 
playing this style of uh, style of football, and they did it again this uh, yesterday. Yeah, that first game uh, back in the Hindrund, uh 2-0, but was much closer than that. Hoffenheim, their first goal in that match was just a beautiful piece of you know team play combination, and it's one of those goals you just kind of tip your hats to them, and you know it, you're actually. From, even from you know the Schalke point of view, are pretty impressed with it. And then the second one came, I think, in stoppage time when we pulled our goalkeeper, um, and we had a number of chances in the second half as well. And any of those could have gone in and changed it. So um, not as convincing of a win for Hoffenheim uh, in our first matchup as maybe the scoreline would have suggested. But uh, yeah, very very bright start. This ended up being quite an open match, um, and I think that was to our benefit. I think we probably, uh, I think we looked better in that sort of a game than they did. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, so in the sixth minute, uh, Goreska kind of drew a foul with a veteran move on the Hoffenheim player. It didn't really look like the Hoffenheim player touched him, but like as soon as he got by him, he realized he had hit the ball out too far, and he drew the foul as a veteran as a veteran does. Um, so that lead to a deep free kick for Schalke. Hoffenheim defended the, defended the set piece very high, uh, kind of taking a page from Byron last week who were doing the same thing, trying to negate the big Brazilian back there. Um, so Caligiri took the kick and uh, he was looking for you know who else Naldo. Um, of course, Naldo out jumps the Hoffenheim players and then he passes a head pass actually to Bergstaller back door. Um, looked like he was going to score, but um, uh, what's the name? Folkt uh, was able to clear it away from the corner. Um, it was a very good bright start for Schalke early in this one, Jack. Uh, they continued where they left off last week, where last week they kind of. They, oh, seemingly pressed for 90 minutes against Bayern, which we didn't think they could do, but they did. Um, they had lots of early pressure on the visitors. It seemed like they were going to they were gonna give uh, Hoffenheim all they could take as far as pressure this one, Jack. Yeah, uh, good piece of, of play on that on that free kick situation. It was, uh, you know, everyone's looking for the ball to come into Naldo, and um, that was kind of a tricky piece of play to to redirect that for that, that run that, Bergstahl was making sort of far post, um, and that almost fell to him, as you say. Bob did a good job of getting that away. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Goretzka uh, is that I agree with you. What he did, he, he's good at drawing those fouls, but there are times when I feel like he's looking for them too much, and I think you saw that a couple times later in this game. There are times when I'd like him to just run at the defense or try to get a shot off or something, and there's times he gets kind of in and around the box in the final third, and rather than really forcing the issue, you can tell he's looking to just kind of win a free kick, yeah, and that's yeah. been really frustrating to me because he's, he gives away possession a couple times doing that, um, and there's other times where you know a, a player of his skill with his motor and his technical ability should be able to put people under more pressure than I think he does sometimes. I think he takes the easy way out. And I'm, I mean, for a team as good as Schalke are on, you know, on set pieces and everything, I'm not going to complain when we get free kicks. And, you know, Harit wins them all the time. But when Harit wins them, it's generally because somebody's actually taking him down. And with Goretzka, it seems like he's just kind of looking for that. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to be overly critical of it, but that was, uh, I don't know, it, it's kind of a mixed bag. I don't think it's all positive from Goretzka when he does that sometimes. Yeah, that, that that kind of uh, diving was uh, evident last week in the Byron matchup. Um, it seemed like every time he went through the midfield, he would just go down if someone got near him. Um, some of it warranted, some of it not. Uh, but like like you said, it seems that he's trying to draw them uh, far too often than he should be. And opportunities in, at times when he's in the box and he probably should be trying to get those, he tries to continue on and then doesn't you know it doesn't come to our advantage. We lose the ball and the other team gets going. Yeah, so. Exactly. Uh, well, you know, that's, 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 that's a headache we have to deal with sometimes. Um, let's uh, fast forward a little bit in this game uh, to like around the 11th minute or so. 
Uh, Mbolo, he does well defensively to seal the ball uh, around midfield, and he ended up passing to Alessandro Schof, um, who's, who made this like run up the pitch. Um, he ended up circling back to because the defender was right on him, and then he found De Santo, who was wide open in the middle in that false nine position. Um, De Santo, he was you know he felt he was open enough, and he went for a shot from the outside of the box, and he nearly scored, forcing Bauman to make a great save on the corner. Um, then you score one goal against Byron, and then also you get confidence like that to shoot a, shoot a ball like that and with his left foot, much no less. Yeah, so this is what we were talking about up top a little bit. Um, it's pretty funny to call Franco DeSanto a false nine um, just because his general style of play is not anything that you would normally associate with that. Um, but he, like I said, he did a really good job of, of finding space in the midfield, finding those pockets of space, maybe sometimes trailing the play a little bit. And he, he was, you know, he was involved in the middle of the park, you know, receiving the ball and, and you know, passing it out wide and, and helping to set things up. And he was much, just much more involved in the buildup in the attack than he normally is. I mean, he, he's always, you know, a very active uh, presser on the defensive side of things, but there's times he's just kind of isolated up top and doesn't really seem like he's a part of anything in the game yeah he's right, just kind of right. like you know jogging around and really doesn't get any touches and really isn't doing anything to, to force the issue and this was such a such a much more involved performance from him it was really impressive and yeah he, he found some space on this particular play and uh let a shot go as you said with his left foot and uh i don't know if it was going in but bauman certainly wasn't taking any chances with it and he forced uh forced a save and got us a corner yeah, and, and on that ensuing corner, uh, Caligiri's pass was momentarily cleared out of the six-yard box by the Hoffenheim defense. But Goretzka was seemingly all alone, and he headed it back towards Naldo's way. His first goal for 24 league games, his second CD goal only, and Schalke hit the front in 11 minutes. But Tilo Carraher gets to it first and scores his second of the season, Jack. Um, good for Carraher finally getting on the board with one of those headers. He tries a game in and game out, and he finally gets one. Yeah, very good to see him on the score sheet. Um, just I think it's just his second goal, I believe, for Schalke. I think his first one came in uh, one of the, the derbies against Dortmund. Was it last year, maybe? Um, but... Yeah, second time we've seen some uh, some head passing going on in the box. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, that 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 corner comes in uh, from from Caligari, and uh, it's not really cleared very convincingly from the Hoffenheim players. It falls to Goretzka, kind of you know a little bit deeper in the box, and he heads it back across to where Naldo and Kerr are, and it's ultimately Kerr that gets ahead to it, and it's a uh, it's a really good header from him. It's a kind of a high looping one that is uh, enough. I mean, Bauman was there. Bauman was there, and they just looped it right over him perfectly. No, yeah, exactly. It, it went just under the bar, but also had this looping effect so that it went over Baum, and it was just kind of perfectly placed. And, uh, I mean, what can you say? Set-piece goals from Schalke, just, it's kind of what we do and uh, always a reliable way for us to score. Um, and something else I want to say, uh, you know, Naldo's gotten a lot of credit, obviously, I mean, for good reason, for, for the set-pieces that he's scored on. Um, but somebody who maybe doesn't get enough credit is Caligari. Because he, more often than not, he's the one providing these balls in. And, you know, everybody who's in those positions has one or balls a game that are, you know, flat or a little right. bit long from, from corners or free kicks or whatever. But by and large, he, I mean, his balls are fantastic. And he had a number of them in this game, a couple other ones that could have been goals that, you know, maybe weren't. And I think he deserves some props for being a consistent, um, you know, supplier of, of dangerous balls for the rest of our players to attack. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Ochipka does that occasionally as well, but Calgary's been great, and uh, good to see Kerrigan on the score. Yeah, yeah, like you said, and usually when Ochipka's there, they probably split the duties 50-50, but since he wasn't in there, he literally took, I think, every free kick or corner kick in this game. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, he's he's been very good about it this season. I never knew him to be such a good crosser of the ball, and now I'm like, man, this guy is unbelievable. I don't know if this is Tedesco effect or just uh, he found a little wrinkle that nobody realized, nobody even thought to try with him before. Um, maybe he's been on teams that had really good free kick takers, and they're like, okay, that guy's our taker, not him. Um, but you know, now he's getting people opportunity, and and Calajiri is actually stepping up and doing really, really well for us. Um, so shortly after the goal, uh, Schultz ended up picking up a yellow for Hoffenheim for a tackle on Alexander Schoff. Um, so Kerr would go and t- you know he set the ball there and, and gave a pass right away to start to play up to Embolo. Uh, he gave his best Amin Harried uh, impression when he uh, tried to take on four Hoffenheim players. Uh, they ended up knocking it away from him, but when they knocked it away from him, they knocked it right to Carrier, who gave it right back immediately to Briel Mbolo, uh, who was behind the defense at this point. Uh, he runs at the keeper one-on-one, uh, chips Bauman with a beautiful shot, and just like that, 2 nothing Schalke. Two goals in two minutes. Uh, wait, nope. Uh, VAR? Uh, VAR, they had signal to the referee. Uh, after after about a minute, it wasn't even a minute. I feel like it was like ten seconds. Uh, it, it was deemed that Imbolo was uh, just offsides as the pass from Carrer went to back to Imbolo. Jack, is this a correct call for you? Yeah, it, it was. Um, it's not something that we can be upset about. I mean, if you look at the replay, he was clearly offside. At least half of his body was in an offside position. Um, it is unfortunate because it's not an offside position that really benefited him in any way. It wasn't as if he was, you know, running towards the goal and was offside. Uh, he was actually running away from the goal back to receive the ball. So by the time he picked it up, he was onside again, and you know the entire defense was behind him. It didn't really give him much of an advantage, so it's unfortunate the way that happened. But um, technically, it was the right call, and uh, disappointing to have that one taken away. You know, it was it was great to see Mbolo get on the score sheet there, and it was a nice piece of play from him as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. Maybe he took one heavy touch, but basically he's kind of running at this angle um, the right side of the box, kind of right at the goalkeeper, and, and Bauman's rushing out, and, and you got Volk that's coming in from the left, and it looks like you know he's going to lose the ball for sure. And right at the last second, right as Volk is coming in from the side, he just chips it in this little window between yeah, Bauman and Volk and, and puts it away. It was a great finish, it really was. Um, and you know that would have been two goals in what, like two minutes yeah. or so. Um, so uh, very disappointing to see that one taken away, but. <laughs> And here's the other thing. I, I saw a lot of conversation on Twitter about VAR this weekend. I don't know if there was something that happened in another game that I missed that was really controversial, but I saw people talking about um, this decision as well in that way and how VAR is like ruining the Bundesliga and it's like ruining the fan experience and everything. My opinion on it is I want the right calls to be made. Um, if I mean, even from the Schalke perspective, we had a goal taken away, but it should have been taken away. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the same thing would happen if we were on the other end of that. I would have wanted that to be taken away, too. So um, I'm always pleased when the refs are able to make the right decision. And, you know, if VA is a part of that, I'm, I'm all for it. So, uh, you know, either way, it was very promising because Schalke is a team that has not gotten off to a lot of early starts. Um, and we definitely did that here. And that was – it was good to see. You know, we, 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 have, we have these problems with, you know, not – finishing things and not putting things away especially later in games and to an extent that happened again but it, we had enough you know goal scoring momentum early in this one i think to carry us through and that was that was hugely important yeah no uh, i i couldn't agree more and and actually i think this var- var con- uh, concert uh, controversy uh 
it stemmed more than just the Bundesliga because I know some people were in England were talking about it, or some other leagues or other other leagues involved too. They're saying, "Oh, VAR is bad. This is why we should get rid of it." And I'm like, "They got it right in the Schalke game." As much as I hate to admit it, um, at first when the first happened, I was like, "Ah, oh, come on!" I, did you see the face? The, uh, what's the name? Tedesco had his smile on his face when he took the goal away. That's a Tedesco. Was, Tedesco was very upset about it. I, I think once he watched the replay, he would have realized it was the correct right. call. But yeah, he was he was pissed. And like I said, it, it was unfortunate in the sense that. It was an offside position that didn't benefit right, him. Right, exactly. So if it hadn't been called, I don't think it would have been some, you know, some massive injustice because I mean he he was, you know, he was back in an onside position when he received it. But um, yeah, it's it's always interesting. You know, Tedesco was I think really excited. You know, we we lost two 0 to Hoffenheim in the first match, and uh, we go two 0 up that early, yeah. and then uh, it's looking like that's like that's going to be a hugely important moment for us. And it's taken away, and I think everyone in the stadium and you know, everyone at home was like, "Oh, here we go!" Like that could end up being a huge moment down the line because we know how, how often yeah. we struggle to really put these games away. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so, like you said, it was a. I do agree with you, and I think it was a correct call. Uh, he was definitely offside. You know, it didn't benefit him to be in the position that he was. Um, I think Amiri was able, able to keep him off uh, just a bit or onside or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good call. Unfortunately, um, at that point, like I said, if we went up two nothing with two goals in two minutes, uh, we could have blown that game out for for all we knew. Um, yeah. But you know, goal gets taken away, uh, and it it is what it is. Uh, so through the first quarter hour of the game, surprisingly, uh, Hoffenheim led possession fifty eight to forty two. Those shots were three nothing to Schalke. This, um, so the stats are a little misleading on this one, Jack, because it, it, the stats would tell you that Hoffenheim were dominating the game by possession wise, but really it seemed like Schalke was doing all the attacking. Yeah, I mean Hoffenheim had a, a decent share of the ball, but I don't really think they were doing much with it. Um, I mean, especially when, when Schalke got out, we like we said it was a pretty open game, and. Uh, even to the extent that Hoffenheim was able to advance up up the field uh, because of how open it was, once they got to the final third, they really looked largely pretty toothless. Um, so, yeah, as you said, it's definitely kind of a misleading statistic in this one uh, where, you know, maybe the numbers don't exactly tell the entire story. Yeah, and uh, it seemed that after that goal was taken away, um, Hoffenheim did pick up their play and began attacking more. But like you said, there's nothing really led to uh, scoring chances or any shots on target. Um, we're going to fast forward now uh, a little bit more to the 28th minute. Hoffenheim through Bauman and their defenders. Uh, they got a little too cute trying to play out from the defense. I, mean, I don't know if they thought they were Barcelona or what. Uh, but, you know, with that little Energizer bunny that was out there, Mbolo, pressing, um, he was causing havoc, and the ball would make its way to Captain uh, Volkt. And as he attempted to pass, I think, to Hubner, uh, Mbolo got a piece of it uh, to intercept it, and he basically had a wide-open net with Bauman like, scurrying to get back into position. And Briel and Bolo scores, and this, and there would be no way this would be called back, Jack. Uh, great pressing by him, and, uh, and a foolish mistake by Hoffenheim. Yeah, and you saw Tedesco uh, once that one and kind of go running down the sideline towards the uh, the side official, kind of like, you know, waving the, yeah, like, waving the imaginary flag. Like, great. oh, the flag's not up on that one. <laughs> that was super petty from Tedesco. I loved it. Um, but yeah, uh, Vogt, what are you doing, buddy? 
uh, there's really no way to explain that one away from him. So what happens is there's kind of a wayward ball. I think Schalke played it, and and Bauman ends up running out of his goal to the right, right side, outside right. of his own box to to collect this, and he, he plays it forward. I think it was Tbikakish, maybe, um, and I probably just butchered his last name, but I think that's who you did better it. than I did. Um, <laughs> I said it with more conviction. How about that? Yeah, maybe the confidence makes it seem like it might be right. <laughs> um, and so he <laughs> plays this in uh, towards the middle to to Vogt and. Um, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing, but he basically he he's looking to play this ball across goal to Hibner, and he's telegraphing this pass. And not only is he telegraph it, he's hesitating on it too. And so Mbolo is kind of sitting between them, and and ultimately Volk tries to like do this outside of the foot, yeah, kind of like yeah. half curling pass around, like a Brazilian him. thing or something. Yeah, and, and Mbolo just sticks a foot out to deflect it, and then he chases it down and, and knocks it in before Bauman can can rush over there to try to to try to clear it away and um. It wasn't even as if Volk was had pressure from the from the opposite angle. It wasn't like you know he had somebody closing him down, and this was really the only available pass to him. He had plenty of space and plenty of time to kind of do whatever he wanted with it. And he just seemed intent on playing this one ball, and uh, yeah, very very bad mistake from him. Uh, but you know, heads up play from Mbolo, and you know, good pressing. And you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes if you put yourself in those situations, you get rewarded when, you know, your defender makes kind of a, a random error. So, um, he, he ended up getting his goal in the end and, uh, celebrated with the exact same celebration. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah. Two, two nil and Bolo ends up on the score sheet. Justice is served. Yeah. And, uh, those, those two goals, even though one didn't count, uh, had to shoot his confidence up even further. Uh, it's it's important for Schalke for him to get back and get back involved in the attack and Definitely. the scoring. Um, so he, it's good to see that he he got the, he ended up getting the goal that I thought the first one he should have got. But um, good for him, you know. Kept pressing, didn't put his head down, and that's how it goes to halftime, one nothing. Um, so you know, good first half for Schalke. You you, you know you're up two nothing. Um, did I just say it was one nothing? I did. It was two nothing going into halftime and. Uh, no, it was a great, great start for Schalke. You know Tedesco's loving this at this point because, you know, after losing to, uh, to Nagelsmann in the first game, um, the, question, the question is, you know, when with Schalke, especially do, they, do you keep attacking, do you fall back? Tedesco likes to, when he gets the lead, especially if it's a, even if it's a one nothing lead, he likes to sit back and, and, and let the teams come at him. Uh, he did well to keep his team pressing after the first goal and get that second yeah. goal. Um, and then we were curious, at least I was curious at halftime, you know, would the team continue pressing like they are or are they going to sit back and let, let Hoffenheim come at them? So um, what were your over, overall impressions of the first half? Yeah, it was pretty comfortable, I thought. Uh, as we said, I don't think Hoffenheim really created too many chances that were that were dangerous. And, um, you know, to have Schalke go into the half, 2-0 up against a pretty good Hoffenheim side was, was very good to see. As I said, this is a team that tends to start slowly. Um, and then, you know, we get into situations quite frequently where we score one goal and then we can't score the second and our defense just hasn't been good enough recently to win games with, you know, with one goal because we can't keep clean sheets. We usually need at least two to, to win. And so to get both of those two goals, um, in the first half, I think was huge and really set us up to, uh, to go on and, and, and clinch this thing kind of regardless of how we played in the second. So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, we kind of got a, a glimpse of what uh, Shaka, how their tent was in the second half. Um, you know, he's fast forward to the 58th minute. Um, Shaka had another corner. Caligiri had a near post in swinger this time, and it was met by Bergstaller, uh, who tried a cheeky little shot, like jumped out of the air and tried to flick it behind him between his legs. Um, nearly surprised Bauman, but he did well to save it. Uh, Shaka proving time and time again how dangerous they are in set pieces. 
Um, continue on further into the game. Uh, I think maybe ten minutes from from that time, uh, Mbolo continued continued pestering Hoffenheim, and he gave it to Bergie. Uh, Bergie did a little nice little chip pass over the defender to himself of all people, and then attempted to shoot, shoot far post and nearly scored. It just rolled wide. Uh, brilliant improvisation by uh, Bergie there, Jack. If he had pulled that off, that might have been one of the goals. Yeah, at least it, at least for sure. You'd expect that from Harit, yeah. maybe not from Bergie. That was it, honestly, I thought he was going to finish it. It was a pretty terrible finish, to be honest. He kind of slices across; he doesn't really catch it well, and kind of hits it wide. But yeah, basically, what happens is uh, Bergstar is kind of on the right side of the box, and this ball comes in over his right shoulder, and he makes this brilliant touch to kind of uh, pop it over the defender um, back towards goal, um, and just completely loses it. And then he takes it, I think, first time out of the air off that chip to himself. Uh, and you know, if he had if he had found a way to put that away, it would it was I mean it was just poetry in motion. As I was watching that happen, I, I fully expected it to go in. I was halfway out of my seat, um, and uh, one of those plays you're like you know you you kind of feel bad for him because you feel like he deserved goal because of how well he set it up, and he, you know his 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 final touch just kind of let him down there. But, um, I think yeah, I, I think he got a little too excited on that play. He's like, oh my god, I just did it. okay. I need to score now, and I think that's what happened. <laughs> that's what I would have yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, but you know, uh, more chances, and that's always that's always positive. Schalke did a good job of creating stuff and kind of kept the pressure up despite the two nil lead, which is what I wanted to see. Um, you know, unfortunately, we had some trouble finishing it. I think three nil would have really killed this game off. But you know, we had a two two uh, two goal cushion to start, so that's that's better than what we normally have. And um, you know, uh, I was not nearly as nervous watching the second half as I normally am during Schalke games. No, yeah, yeah. It's nice to have that extra goal there just in case something goes wrong. Um, real quick, in the 68th minute, minute after that play, really, uh, Goretzka ended up picking up a yellow. Uh, he had a tackle on, on Adam Salai, and I guess he had his studs that just kind of stepped on him just a little bit. Uh, no big no big deal. I just felt like mentioning it. Um, after that, though, Hoffenheim made three successive subs, and that seemed to give new life uh, to and, and the I guess well, yeah, gave more life back to uh, Hovenheim because they got back-to-back shots from both Mark Uth and uh, and uh, Andre Kramaric. Um, so Hovenheim, they were try- starting to get into the game at this point. Um, in the 75th minute, DeSanto would finally come off. Uh, great performance by him, I think. Um, he came off yeah. and Marco Piazza came on. That's a good sub there. Um, I guess uh, they're going to keep uh, start using Piazza and, and the false nine. But yeah, DeSanto, uh, very good game. Very uh, Didn't expect that. Yeah, listen up and listen well. Don't miss this. It's a collector's item from Jack Mangan. Good game by Franco DeSanto. Um, what? <laughs> he, he he really did. It was a it was a really interesting position for him to take up on the pitch, and and one that I probably wouldn't have thought would have been a natural fit for him. But um, yeah, he really made himself available and was it was very much more involved. That's the kind of performance I've been wanting to see from him. Um, you know that that's the kind of performance where. If he doesn't score, you can point to other things he's doing on the offensive end and say he was contributing and you know he, he wasn't wasting space out Because they're obvious, yeah. Exactly. There, there's so many games where he doesn't score and he's not doing anything else on the offensive end either. He's just there. And this was a game where you know he, he was contributing to the buildup and putting his teammates in good positions um, you know, to, to score a goal. There was a play, I think, very early in the game, maybe like even fifth minute that I don't think we talked about, where uh, DeSanto kind of wins this loose ball in the middle of the pitch and, and plays a great ball into... Goretzka, who's making a run into the box, and Goretzka back heals it for Bergstaller, and you know, ultimately gets oh, yeah, disrupted. Yeah. But you know, that that was a, that was a great setup as well, and that's the kind of thing we were seeing from 
DeSanto all game, you know. Uh, so, yeah, props to him. Uh, I, I hope that's the kind of thing he continues to do if, if we keep seeing him uh, in the starting lineup. And if he puts in performances like that, I'm going to change my tune very quickly about how I feel with him starting. It's just it, it's it was definitely something that I thought was uh, out of character, that, that kind of performance. And I hope to see more of it if he's going to be there. So would you want to see DeSanto in a false nine uh lineup position uh again if it if were to happen once again i can't get over the fact that like, he's a false nine i know yeah he just doesn't have any of the skills that you would normally associate with somebody in a false nine at least for me it's just it's such a weird thing and yeah he was kind of a false nine position to some extent and typically yeah. they're the smaller guys you know a draxler or a leo messi for, for instance but uh he's a he's yeah, a he, people like yeah that. He's like, a, he might be the tallest false nine ever <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know i mean I find it hard to believe that's going to be a consistent um, thing that Tedesco is going to do. I, I don't know how much of that was a result of, of Meyer being out. Um, Maybe just a wrinkle in one of his like plan A, B, and C. He just having different ways to beat different teams and constantly change it up and keep other teams on their on their toes. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But it, it definitely did catch Hoffenheim off guard because he he was finding a lot of space. So uh, I can't say it's something I like him. You know. Oh yeah, I definitely want Franco DeSanto playing that position all the time. But um, I mean, it worked for this one, and that, you know that's all you can say about it, really. You love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, DeSanto he goes off, and then uh, shortly after that, uh, in the seventy eighth, uh, out of nowhere it seemed, uh, Catterbeck uh, swung in a pass, and this happened. Kelly Schaubeck and Kremerich has got the goal back to them here. It's a one goal game again suddenly. Kremerich in great form recently. And with what, 12 to play, we're back in the game at 2-1. Andre Kramaric out Caligiri, who was marking him, and it's game on, Jack, 2-1, just like that. Yeah, it was, it was kind of out of nothing, and it was it was one of those goals where it almost takes you like three or four seconds after the goal is scored to realize the goal was scored. Because it was it was just it was such a lifeless goal. It was it was such a weird play. Anyway, this ball gets swung in and it looks like Naldo's gonna head it away, and it looks like maybe Shuff's gonna head it away, and ultimately both of them miss it and it kinda falls in between them for Kramerich, who just kinda, you know, heads it heads it in. And um it, it seemed kind of like a fairly cheap goal to concede. Uh Kramerich was fairly well marked and both guys just kinda mistimed it and gets put in and uh once again that it's you know it's two one and suddenly it's game on with you know at least ten minutes left. We ended up having seven minutes of stoppage time on top of that. Oh. So it was really you know, almost twenty minutes of, of game time after that was scored. Uh and once again this is why Schalke need to do a better job of finishing things. Uh now as, as I said, we had the two goal cushion, which was huge because we, we tend to kind of need that to, to end up winning games. We don't win a lot of games, you know, scoring one goal, but um, you know, if we had finished any of the opportunities we had had in the second half, this wouldn't have been as nerve wracking of a last, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Exactly. No, absolutely. And, and like you said, when that goal went in, all of a sudden every Schalke fan, the tensions went up. Um, we were like, Oh no, here we go again. What's going to happen here? Um, I know. I think, Nag- I think Nagelsmann was out of his chair for the first time all game when that happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Hoffenheim was up for it. They were ready. They, they thought they had a chance. Um, uh, Goretzka had a, a great opportunity in the 80th minute. Uh, we also had a substitution try to slow down the game when Embryo and Bolo came off, and uh, Amin Harid came in. Then, like you said, seven minutes of added stoppage time. Um, tensions were even rising even more. Could Schalke hold on? That was the question. Um, things started getting chippy as well. Uh, Hoffenheim started pressuring Farman and the net. All of a sudden, Hoffenheim could do no wrong as far as the attacking end. 
Um, Uth had a shot in the 91st minute that just went over the bar. Uh, I said he got Chippy Berge, picked up a yellow uh, for a tackle on Volk in the 92nd minute. Um, and the 94th minute, a Hoffenheim player goes down trying to keep Harit off the ball and deliberately handballs it on the ground. I thought I should have been the yellow there. The ref, you know, he called it on Harit, of all people, on that play. Uh, keep going on. Uh, 94th minute, Katerbeck received the yellow on Piazza, a foul there. Ochipka, Tedesco, in a, in a way to try to slow down the game even more. In the sixth minute, of a stoppage uh, brought in Ochipka for Alessandro Schoff. Um, and then, and then in the last minute of the of the game, Hubner received a yellow uh, for yelling at Farman to speed it up. When I, I, usually, when a forward does that, he got he has a point. But at that point, it, was like, it happened like so quick. Like as soon as he got the ball, he's like, "Hurry up, hurry up!" And like, referee was like, "Get it, we're, we're done with this." And called yeah. the yellow. Then ended the game there, two one victory. Pretty nerve wracking piece of stoppage time there. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who are wondering why we had seven minutes, it was because the the side official. Um, yeah, it looked like he might have like. Towards Achilles or something, um, he he went down very early into the second half and had to for a long know, time too. Yeah, I don't know if Tedesco threw a banana peel down there or something because he was pissed at about the other VAR decision earlier, <laughs> you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, it was actually a, a referee injury and not a, not a player injury. But uh, yeah, it definitely made for a nerve wracking end of the game. A lot of time for Hoffenheim to try to pull something out there at the end. Bullshit! The referees are trying to screw us. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so yeah. No, the game would end 2-1. Big, big three points for us. Uh, great win for Tedesco over over his uh, compatriot uh, Nagelsmann. And it's, it's, we, needed a, we needed a win because uh, Leverkusen had won earlier. Uh, we figured Dortmund were going to win their game. And we had, we had to keep up with everybody above us in the table and around us because if you keep losing, you're going to keep dropping the table. And with it being so tight, um, every point is valuable. And so, like I said, much needed three points. We are now in fifth place. Um, real quick though, I want to talk about something. Uh, last week we obviously had Daniel Niari on last week on the show, yeah. and we, you know it was great times talking with him. Yesterday though, uh, Christian Niari tweeted out, you know that Naldo should be on Brazil's World Cup team, which is followed up in agreement by Alex Chafer from Bundesliga English, um, who also wrote an article that we tweeted out earlier. We'll do it again. And it was titled "Why Naldo Deserves a Spot at, with Brazil at the 2018 World Cup." Um, what do you think about that? It's hard to argue against, isn't it? Yeah, he he was the best player in the Bundesliga defensively in the first half of the season, and he's keeping it up right now. I mean, he's 35, but he's doing it really well. I mean, name 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 two defenders, two central defenders for Brazil that are doing better than him right now in the world. I mean, and Brazil has has a number of guys that they can bring. Um, so it's certainly not that they're starved at that position. And all those 35 years old, I understand that, but uh, you know, he hasn't really had a call up in what like 10 years or so. Yeah, it's been I a mean, while. It'd be a pretty incredible story if, if you know. He, I think he has four Brazil caps ever. The last one took place over ten years ago, and it'd be pretty incredible if after a ten-year gap he comes. It's a back game winner in yeah, the World Cup, age thirty-five, and makes a World Cup squad. But uh, I think he definitely has to be in contention. He's playing very well on both ends of the pitch, you know, offensively and defensively. Um, and he's he's a wizened, experienced hand back there, and you know maybe they could benefit from that. So it'll be interesting to see. I think if he stays healthy and continues, you know, kind of playing the way he's been playing all season. Um, he has a very legitimate shot at getting that, and that would that'd be awesome. I, I would love to see that personally. I guess it, I would too, absolutely. Uh, but I guess it depends on, on on the manager for Brazil what what he's thinking. I know um, in Paulo Maldini's heyday, uh, he was I think like in, in the mid to upper thirties, and he had a chance to go to the two thousand six World Cup team, and uh, just and Lippi uh, decided not to bring him, even though he's this you know 
historically great guy and he had a really good season that season and he decided not to bring him. So maybe the Brazil manager is feeling the same way and says, you know what, I'm going to go for youth in this one and uh, we're going to opt out for going to older guys. But maybe, maybe who knows, um, Brazil hasn't had the greatest uh, runs in the World Cup as of late and had some embarrassment. So maybe they want some stability back there and Naldo would be great for that. And again, he's another play, another player that can score off a corner. Uh, David Luiz is very good at that as well. And uh, so, hey, if anything, it's for the, it's good for the locker room to have someone like him and who can calm the guys down in, in pressure situations. Yeah, fingers crossed for him. I think all the Schalke fans would love to see that. Somebody, to, I mean, especially from the American perspective, right? right. <laughs> the U.S. is not going to the World Cup. I would love to have some Schalke players uh, in that competition to root for. No, absolutely. All right, so we'll, let's try something different in this one. Um, let's let's go with the top three for uh, the game against Hoffenheim for you. Uh, who are your top three and why? Top three. Um, <laughs> I think one of them might be the, the Santo. <laughs> it might have, Tyler yeah, Dunn, I, are you listening? <laughs> or Abel Mezaros, yeah. yeah. Anyone. Uh, I think DeSanto might be up there. I think, I think I'd give one of them to Mbolo just because he, he scored twice and had one of them taken away. And it was really good to see him in the lineup. Uh, I'll give a shout-out to Caligari as well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that really deserved it. I, I don't think Fairman was really tested at all by Hoffenheim too often in this one. Uh, uh, maybe Carer. I don't know. It could just be with some of the goal scorers, and I think Kara had a pretty decent defensive game as well. I don't know. There was a lot of just kind of like, you know, workmanlike performances in this one and not too many like crazy standouts. It was a good team performance from Schalke, I thought. But yeah, I'll, I'll go in Bolo, I'll go DeSanto, and I'll go uh I'll go Calgary. <laughs> I for sure thought you weren't gonna pick DeSanto and I was gonna be like, Oh, I'm gonna rock the bow, but I'm gonna be boring. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'm in agreement with you. Uh Imbolo's my first star. He had had a goal, had a goal taken away. He was active all game and, and a thorn in the side of Hoffenheim and he's looking like he's back to, you know, being at the top his top form really. Uh hopefully he can start reaching his potential now and, and remain injury free. But he looked excellent in this game, I thought. DeSanto and this false nine crazy to say uh, i thought he did very well in this game he was his name was mentioned several times in the game he didn't fade away really so until after he left i didn't hear from him in the last 25 minutes but that's because he was on the bench um but no he he did very well in this game um he had some crazy opportunities that he nearly scored on in the game also so you know he's my second star and Caligiri, uh I, I also thought he did very well in this game I, I wasn't sure with him being on the left side even though he had played on the left side before uh before Schalke. Um, I thought that he wasn't going to uh, do as well as he would a dozen or right, but uh, he proved me wrong, and you know he was the main guy as far as set pieces go, as far as delivering them, and, and he again he's uh, he's he's very good at, at those, and he's his pinpoint passing ability to pick out whoever he wants to and get the ball right to him. Um, good work, good workmanship by him too. I mean, he's hardworking, his high work rate um, didn't seem to tire at all. So yeah, he was at fault. Uh, he was marking the guy who scored Kramerich on the goal, but. Uh, you can't win them all. So I think he did very well uh, throughout the game to earn uh, the third star. I'm just going to say something else here too. Is it just me or has Goretzka been kind of a bum the entire second half of the season so far? Yeah, he hasn't done much. Uh, he had glimpses in the Byron game, but maybe that's just showing yeah, off for he, a new... He, he, new... Played, he played all right last week in a game where there was I think, a lot more motivation than maybe the average one, but this is a guy who's supposed to be our best player, who we need... To put in good performances in order if we want to make you know qualify for the Champions League, and uh, he's kind of just been bad. I mean, I, I'm struggling yeah. to find another word for it. He just he really has not been living up to his potential at all. I don't think so. That's something I'd like to see more of. Um, I, I mean, wonder I if 
Yeah, I wonder if some of that is, you know, now he's with Byron, he's thinking about that too much, like, oh, i got to make sure I do well for them, or I don't know, maybe he's thinking too much, or maybe he's just not fully fit yet. Dude, um, I, I don't know. I, and I'm tired of talking about his fitness issues as well. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, the guy's got, whatever. I mean, he played 90, good for him. Um, at least I think he did. Uh, it, but it, yeah, it's funny yeah. because apparently Weston McKenney is on track to, to maybe be back in the lineup within, like, two weeks or so. Start McKenney. And at, at at the moment, I'm kind of like I'd rather see him because Goretzka's just been so lackluster out there, um, and I'm sure there are people that disagree with that. But he, for somebody who's supposed to be as our best player, he he surely has not looked like it. I mean, no. who would you, who would you say is the MVP of the season so far? Probably Naldo or Harit, right? Yeah, one of those two guys. It's not it's not Goretzka. No, he's probably not even in the top. Four. You can make a case for Caligiri. You can make a case for exactly. Max Meyer. Yeah. Um, Nastasic, I mean, Cindy K. McFarman, obviously. I mean, so may, maybe Gretzka's five or so. But I mean, and he, I don't know. I, I just feel like he should be playing better than that. I'll, I'll kind of leave it there. Hopefully he does because uh, we have some big games coming up. Uh, Shaka fans, what did you make of the match against Hoffenheim? Tell us about it at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Before we get out of here, uh, let's make a, we got let's make our predictions against uh, Leverkusen next week. Uh, and there also there may or may not be a collaboration with the Leverkusen pod. That's uh, by Leverkusen uh, podcast. The three people who don't know. Um, so stay tuned for that. We already had some fun with the Eintracht Frankfurt guys. Uh, yeah. Hey, Eintracht hey, Frankfurt. That was a lot of fun. So uh, you may see us on their pod. And you may see them on our pod. So stay tuned for that. But let's get into the game. Um, obviously, the main concern for us is going to be Leon Bailey. But there are a lot of talented players over there. They may not be consistent all the time, but they're very good. I, I haven't the foggiest what's going to happen in this one, to be honest. I, I have no idea. It depends on what Leverkusen shows up, right? Yeah, I don't know what to expect. Uh, I, I hope we get a victory. Obviously, I hope we get a victory every week. But um, th- this win against Hoffenheim was big for us. We, we did not get off to a good start so far in the Rookwood. Yeah, yeah. Um, only winning, what, one of our first five games, was it? Yep. Um, yeah, I think we really needed this one. Because uh, we had dropped points again, I mean, anything can happen in this Leverkusen game. So right now we're sitting at fifth in the table at 37 points. Uh, that could change tomorrow if Eintracht Frankfurt managed to beat Leipzig on that weird Monday Bundesliga game. Don't know what's going on with that. But, uh, I mean... Yeah, Dortmund's Monday Night in- Football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bayern has a 20-point lead at the top of the table right now, basically, a 19-point lead. But Dortmund in second place is only three points ahead of us. So yep. this, this Leverkusen game is, is going to be big. We could leapfrog them with a victory. Um, so let, let's hope that happens. I, I, I'm not even going to give you a prediction. I don't know what's going to go on. Yeah, it, it's Leverkusen. I mean, we have been up and down as well. But Leverkusen, they've been like Jekyll and Hyde. Like one minute they look like world beaters. Another minute they look like they lo- they're losing to, you know, teams at the bottom tail by, by like a lot too. They lose about three goals. And like, what's going on with these guys? So it's hard to determine what's going on with them. Um Obviously, they have Leon Bailey there. He's a very excellent player. Him and Harid have been two of the fantastic players for uh, in the Bundesliga for the respective teams this season. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard one to call. It's going to be at Bayer Leverkusen. Um, and Schalke have done well on the road. They seem to do better on the road even than they do at home. Even though at home, I think they've only lost like twice or something. But uh, yeah, I do. Not, I don't know how to call this game. I, I hope for a win, but I'm I'm gonna. This is just random, just for myself. I'm going to call a uh, a Max Meyer winner from around the edge of the box with a header. No, <laughs> not not like the cone like header. Right? Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. No, no, no. No, Max Meyer, I think he's going to score a goal from the edge of the box with his foot. 
Oh, okay. I don't know why. I'm just going to go with that. It'll be fun. Mm. Maybe uh, DeSanto scores from his false nine position, huh? <laughs> yeah. Franco DeSanto, the second coming of Lionel Messi, will terrorize Leverkusen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that would be great. I mean, at least for us, you know, and then we can move up the table, but we can't yeah. afford a loss. I know that. Um, for sure. For a, sure. a draw at the worst, but a win would be great to do on the road. You and know, the, this, is a, this is a big match, but the good news is, regardless of what happens in this one, our schedule after this will finally clear up to some extent. I think our next games are Hertha, Mainz, Wolfsburg, Freiburg. Um, so definitely not, you know, the, the Leipzig, the Bayern, right, the, yeah. the, the Hoffenheim, the Leverkusen. So um, hopefully, regardless of what happens in this one, we can we can do some work going forward and try to lock up a European spot. So Schalke fans, we're stumped on this one as far as predictions. Tell us your predictions at SO4 Podcasts on Twitter. All right, we're going to wrap that up there. Uh, keep tuning in each week as uh, we will bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Opta Franz, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at SO4 underscore podcast. Stay tuned to next week's episode where we recap the big match against Leverkusen. Uh, Jack, where can our listeners find you on social media? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Quick shout-out to my Kansas Jayhawks for a massive victory over West Virginia Mountaineers the other day. Oh, good. Still, still in contention for that uh, 14th consecutive Big 12 title. So stepping away from Schalke for a minute to talk about college basketball, uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. <laughs> right on, right on. Once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready and we'll be with you soon. Shoes.